0: Chow check What's a scroll? Podcasters Struggling for content can thank Arsenal's commitment to banter for always making it interesting. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody was expecting this to be a classic. Just a dull, half-empty Emirates Stadium witnessing a soporific 1-0 run-of-the-mill victory over relegation-threatened Southampton. But that's just underestimating Arsenal's commitment to banter. And we really have to thank them because I think it has left us with a lot of meat on this bone, which we will bite off the bone and gnaw at the bone. The bone will be gnawed upon by Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello, Lina. And Scott, you can find him on Twitter at O underscore that underscore crab. Hello, Scott. Hello. The new dream team. This is it. This is the Europa League team right here. This is, this <laughs> is the, the team that's actually carrying us through. We have, we have Clive, who has decided to go on holiday midseason. season. Uh, He didn't run it by us. He just did it. And then Paul, who seems to feel that Monday in the middle of the day, you should be working. I don't know where he got that idea. Anyway, um, yeah, I thought it was actually a really interesting game from a talking point standpoint. Uh, Some of it hilariously so. Some of it more excitingly so. And Tim, the manager, I think has finally shown his cards, tipped his hand, shown us that Mm -hmm. the Europa League is the priority. And that he is willing to lean into that. So, in terms of the lineup, was there anything remarkable about it that stood out to you, or just run of the mill rotation? I mean, is is the big news Nelson getting the start?
1: Yeah, I, d- I didn't expect that. I expected a fair measure of rotation. I expected uh, you know the likes of Welbeck and probably a Wobie to come in. I didn't expect to see Ram. I, I think he's made it quite clear that Ramsey and Kashani now are. Not long for our Premier League campaign, and they they won't be risked, which I think makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, Nelson was the slight surprise um, to me. I, I think maybe I expected to see Wilshire in there, um, but but a pleasant surprise nonetheless. Because um, if we think he's got any sort of future, then you know when better to blood him than now. Um, I also think he's the sort of profile of player that we're kind of missing, even if he doesn't quite have. The experience, yeah. I th- I think um, you know, particularly with Enger saying he's not going to buy any forwards in the summer, that that really opens a door for Reece Nelson for me because we really don't have anyone else like that in the squad, um, and that that presents him with a bit of an opportunity. Um, so yeah, I was I was quite pleasantly surprised to see that. I, I guess I was um, I, I didn't quite think he'd make eleven changes, for example, but you know may, maybe I thought that Xhaka wouldn't play and I I still really think that Bellerin has played far too many minutes and he went off injured he went down the tunnel Hopefully, it didn't look too serious it looked like he needed some persuading to go down the tunnel so hopefully that's a good sign but
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know particularly when we've got we're playing a back four again we've got Callum Chambers there who I think is playing quite well at the moment and you know right back is not his natural position nor one I think he has a long-term future in but I think for now at least, you know, fielding a bit right back for a a game like this, I I think would have been fine and we should have protected Bellerin and, you know, I I really, really hope that that that, that knock doesn't rule him out um, of Thursday. There's not been any suggestion that it will, but, you know, it shows the fact that you went off with a bit of a knock, it's taking its toll. I I really think we need to make it a bit of a priority to protect him um, a bit better physically
0: yeah i mean i, I just don't understand it. it it's it's clearly a situation where we don't have a backup for him so i i I get that there aren't a lot of options but I mean Reese Nelson did play right wing back in the Europa League. You could have given him a mm. start there potentially I know that yeah. re- fullback is not wing back there's a lot more defensive duties uh bestowed upon a fullback, but that would have been an option, certainly Callum chambers who you name, but then that means drafting and holding and suddenly you have a yeah. a kind of rickety defense, and we will get to the ricketyest Rick of all, uh, uh, Shkodran the Rick Mustafi. We'll come to that in a moment. But Scott, I mean, I, I think as exciting as it is to blood a youngster and give Nelson his first start in the Premier League, the real story of this game, I think, has to be Danny Welbeck and Alex Iwobi both getting a start, both knowing that at a minimum, there is one Europa League spot up for grabs with with uh, Mkhitaryan's injury, and potentially a second with Jack Wilshere being, how shall I put this delicately, bad at football. So, I mean, for you, is, is that really the takeaway? These two starting and both really playing well and potentially securing a chance to show what they can do again in Moscow and ultimately go on to be the replacements for Wilshere and Mkhitaryan in in a at least theoretical semifinal for Arsenal?
2: Yeah, I mean, both of this was, you know, seemed like get-me-on-the-plane type of performances, so I, I was actually very impressed with both of them. Um, you know, Danny Welbeck, we like to, to make fun of him, but, you know, his first goal was absolutely amazing. You know, it was a perfect clean contact. Yeah, he missed uh, an open net, but then he had a, a really nice header for his second goal, um, and Alex Iwobi really slotted in well into the, that Mesut Ozil role and was really having all the offense go through him doing really well finding the spots and, you know, combinations. Um, the pass that he made uh, to Danny Welbeck before the goal was absolutely great, too. So, I mean, I was very impressed with both of them. Um, and I think both of them could actually yeah, get a start on Thursday, and I would be happy. Um, I was, you know, a big wondering to see Welbeck, um, you know, last Thursday, and he didn't get in. But, yeah, I think he's really solidified his spot. I think he does add some some good things. And, you know, if he's actually being able to kick the ball, that's even better.
0: Yeah, well, and I I mean, end product and directness and running to replace Mkhitaryan's and be giving you more of what Jack notionally should provide, which is security on the ball, close control, uh, comfortable, confident, uh, reliable distribution, the things that Wilshire, you might identify with him, but really have have been absent from his game of late. And, you know, I, I know there were some people frustrated when Aubameyang got taken off because it's like, hell, he can only play in the Premier League. What are you resting him for? But I'm going to do the unthinkable and defend Arsene Wenger here for a moment I think it may have been in his mind to say, let me get Lacazette on with Welbeck and Iwobi because they're going to be playing together in the Europa League. And sure, the risk of injury is something you have to take into account, but there's something to be said for getting them 20 minutes together as a, as a tandem. I mean, Scott, do you think that might have been his thinking behind doing that?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, and Lacazette's still coming back from injury, so getting him some more game time and getting, you know, more match fitness under his belts you know, never a bad idea, especially... Um, you know, late in the game where, you know, you're going to get tired defense and just give him some more confidence. And I thought he, you know, linked up well with everybody. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I have no problem with that. And I think it's definitely a move with the eye towards Thursday, seeing as the, you know, the premier league, there isn't really anything left to play for there.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. So Tim, I mean, we know what Danny Welbeck did because there are things that kind of fill up the stat sheet, as you might say, uh, on this side of the pond, you know, he got the goals, he got an assist. I thought the assist was really well executed. The, Goals are well mm. done. Obviously, he missed <clears> the <throat> sitter. But overall, I think I have to be happy with the perform. But Alex Iwobi had a really, really good game. And yeah. not just a good game, but a good game that produced end product. Three key passes, two assists, mm. right? A shot on target. The things that we criticize him for not being good at, final ball, a penalty area, or final third contribution he provided. Was this one of the more encouraging Alex Iwobi performances at a time when we needed it most? And by yeah, needed most, let me just clarify. I don't mean the Southampton yeah. game. I mean with yeah, impossible yeah, yeah. playing key minutes, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was um, almost certainly his best performance of the season, um, certainly in terms of in terms of end product um, as well, which, like you say, he's kind of lacked this season. And uh, I, I just thought... You did really tell us smart. to be
0: patient with that, Tim, and that really goes yeah. against brand for me, but you may have been on to something <laughs> there, yeah.
1: Well, you know, let's let's see. Let's hope so. There's, You know, it, it, it could just be a one-off. Um, we'll, we'll see in the fullness of time, as they say. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of steps into Ozil's role, didn't he? He played as a number 10. He was... Um, you know he was kind of picking up those pockets of space and really you uh, we've expressed before you know concern about him playing that number 10 spot you know that that spot where you've got the real responsibility i think one thing i will say there are a couple of things going on first of all i, I think he's always had a fairly decent relationship with welbeck um, which kind of helped but i also think that uh, and adrian clark did a, a great piece on this in the breakdown that you know welbeck and Aubameyang basically played as a front two and um, if you're playing in that kind of number 10 role having two players to aim at instead of one um, you know it it gives you more options literally (laughs) Um, and it's it's probably slightly easier to shine when you've got two uh, you know fairly pacey mobile forwards um, kind of running ahead of you so, yeah, it was it was hugely encouraging and he was just you could you could see the, the confidence in him. You could see him bumping the ball off. You know, you could see him when he took that shot in early in the second half from 25 yards or so. And, you, you know, you just think, wow, he, has, he hasn't been taking on shots like that and not with that kind of, you know, again, almost that that kind of nonchalance with the outside of the foot. You know, he hit it like he really meant it and really believed it might it might produce something. And uh, that's something we've not seen from him. And, and maybe it's just because he's had a little bit of time out of the team. He's been an unused sub for the last few games. Maybe he's seen, you know, Mikatarian, what, what he's been producing. Sometimes it's quite good for a player who's not informed to just sit down and watch someone else do it and do it well, as mikatarian has been doing. So maybe that's, you know, giving him some 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 kind of headspace there's a there's a, a phrase i really really like um that i heard in a a presentation about um introverts actually um and uh the, the phrase the woman used was no wilderness no revelation because the whole thing is about going away and thinking on your own and then taking what you've learned back to a group and and i feel like that's that's you know that might play into this a bit you know he's had a bit of wilderness he's had a little bit of time to think a little bit of time to watch um and yeah he he must he must have known before the game he must have thought right mikatarian's out for at least a few weeks this is my chance this is like a real chance for me to stake my claim i'm out of favor um, so, yeah, there's, I, th- I think there are some th- some things going on with his performance, some tangible, some intangible. But for me, certainly his best performance of the season, maybe unless you discount the really good kind of defensive discipline performance at Stamford Bridge back in September.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's really encouraging because we are, I mean, almost certainly going to need him. I think it will be both him and Welbeck, and we'll, we'll debate that coming up. Uh, quick follow-up question, though, for you, Tim. What, what was it saying? No wilderness, no revelation? Yes. Do you want to just be honest and admit that you actually saw that in a galactic brain meme, and that it wasn't actually from any book? You read no, no, no. It was.
1: It was actually in a TED talk. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, but it a, but a really good one. Really okay,
0: good one. okay, you're off the hook. Not from a galactic brain meme. <laughs> okay, um, or the the. Dynasty guys, or whoever they are, that, what's the new meme <laughs> nah. going around? Where they have their, there's some American American Chopper, American Chopper meme. That's it. I do actually rather enjoy that one. Um, Scott, before we come on to the disaster that is Shodan Mustafi, let's just talk briefly about Shaq and El Neni. 125 passes for El Neni, uh, uh, 113 passes for Granite Shaq, or other way around, but. Elneny completing 95% of them. Uh, Shaq a little lower because he played seven crosses and only one were accurate, and that, that probably had an influence. But in the, in the mid-'80s, I mean, there's a lot of ball security in there. I don't know that they were you know as dynamic as they could be. Uh, certainly, Elneny is not associated with that, um, and we could talk about him getting sent off later and Jack's role in that, certainly. But with respect to just the way that pairing works, we talked about maybe using uh, Iwobi and... Wellbeck together to replace Wilshire and Mikatarian. but with Neni showing that he could be a high-volume, safe, secure passer partnered with Shaka, and given that we have a three-goal lead in the tie, would you be tempted to let them stay together and just push Ramsey forward and only make uh, one change for Mikatarian, whether it's Welbeck or Owobi, and, and have that greater ball security in central midfield?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not a, a bad idea, and um, I really liked uh, a couple seasons ago with Ramsey on the right. I thought that really freed him up to to do good things and to kind of cause havoc. Um, one of the things is, you know, they, they both Xhaka and El Elneny led the team in passes, and they also passed to each other the most often. I think I have it here. El Elneny to Xhaka 36 times and Xhaka to El Elneny uh, 27 times. So you could definitely say, yeah, it was a lot of sideways passing. So it wasn't you know, necessarily progressing the ball forward or those killer balls. But um, it was something that you know Arsenal kind of just needed to get control of the game because it was definitely a bit of a, a crazy open one at times. So sometimes just getting that yeah. ball security was a little bit what was needed. Well, and when you have um, a
0: three-goal lead in a tie, which is coming up on Thursday, I mean, you could argue that, that the same might be required.
2: Exactly. Yeah, this isn't necessarily a, a go out and a attack, you know, with a crazy head on fire kind of a thing where you know Arsenal need to go gung ho. Well, and Ramsey so that running not up a,
0: the pitch, leaving Shaq exposed. I mean, if you push him forward and you leave those two together, you at least have that that security in the middle of the pitch.
2: Yeah, and it's definitely not going to be a, a welcoming environment in Moscow. I, I can imagine that that's going to be a, a difficult place to go play. So, that may not be a, a bad idea to you know have you know, and then Ramsey can also tuck in from the right and, you know, give even more solidity in the middle of the field, which might not be a bad thing with a three-goal lead.
0: Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I think that what we need in this leg Thursday is very different from what we may need in a semifinal, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the manager going horses-for-courses, given that his sort of preferred first 11 won't be available. Just really quickly, the Mkhitaryan news. I mean, what's your take on it, Scott? You, I mean, do you get the sense that the manager maybe left open the possibility that he could be back for a semi-final I mean at least it seems like there's that glimmer of hope
2: yeah I mean it's it's really tough because nobody's coming out saying it's going to be this amount of time it's you know he could make it back it's, it's all you know very much I think it'll depend on who we play and what the situation is and you know maybe he'll do a uh, you know Diego Costa thing, and go eat some horse placenta, and try to come back soon, and we'll see. You know if Arsenal really need him, it might be that kind of a case. Or if Arsenal are in a good spot, maybe they they rest him and don't push him back. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, I guess it's better that it's not season ending like it was feared. So we'll see.
0: We're calling PED's horse placenta now. Cool. Um, So, so Tim, let's come on to it, because I I think it is really the thrust of the conversation here. And that is the train wreck, the fiery train wreck, the fiery earthquake (laughs) disaster ridden train wreck mess of a human being who plays central defense for Arsenal named Shodran Mustafi. And I'm sorry if I've gone too easy on him here. So I'll ask you a simple multiple choice question, and then you can build off it from there. Shodran Mustafi, bad central defender or the worst central defender?
1: <laughs> neither, neither. He's, he's so um,
0: bad, Tim. He's so he's, bad.
1: What he is is he's certainly capable of being absolutely terrible, but what he is is wildly inconsistent. He 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 rarely gives you a seven out of ten. He's either kind of nine out of ten or two out of ten, and, and yeah. Isn't that exactly
0: a- what you can't have from a central defender? Right, like like I would rather have a central defender who is a, a seven out of ten constantly, never a nine, but never a two. Right, because at least then you can you can survive. But when a central defender turns in a two out of ten, you're usually saying it because they've conceded a couple ridiculous goals
1: yeah 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 there's definitely that that side of it I, he reminds me of david louise um, interesting to be honest, yeah in uh, that, nice, you know analogy, yeah. yeah he he can put in those nine out of tens and make you think wow this this is a real defender here and then the next game you look at him and you think this this isn't a footballer is it um it, it is it is really weird and and to be honest um I, I, I tend to think it's, it's very uh, it, it's very tempting and we all do it when we see a player that's a bit inconsistent and we project, you know, it's like, oh, is it the coaching? What would he be like with a better coach or blah, blah, blah. And like David like we've seen in David Louise's career, being wildly inconsistent is just who he is. It's what he is. Um, a bit like Abu Diaby, you know, he was another one who was like that. He was either 9 out of 10 or he was 2 out of 10. He was never... He was never seven out, six or seven. But
0: but can I and make an alternate? Some just, players are
1: just like that.
0: Sorry, Tim. I, I know it's annoying when I do this, mm. but I, I just want to propose sort of an alternate theory. With David Louise I'd almost argue I can't remember seeing him ever be consistently good in a back four. But I've seen him be mm. really good as the cent, central centre back in a back three, where he can yeah. use his range and his passing, but doesn't always have to be positionally rock solid or, or rock solid in the one on one challenges. Yeah, yeah. And like, like so that to me is that he's a system player, a player that can play in one system and not the other. And if you make the analogy with Mustafi, which I think is apt, could it be argued that Mustafi is equally ill suited to being one of a two in central defense?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see the kind of almost irresolvable quandary of this squad that, um, all our center backs need to play in a three (laughs) and all our midfielders need to play in a three. Um, and, and we probably need our strikers in a two as well. So, um, you know uh, make of that what you will but yeah yeah absolutely because Koscielny is you know just a a bit too old now to do that kind of almost being two centre-backs at once you know Monreal's very very tidy you know in his in his own area his own part of the pitch but you can't really expect him to do that I think the centre-backs all of them are just tailor-made for a three Um, nearly every centre-back we have actually I, I think that about um, and to be honest, like probably most centre halves are, are more comfortable playing in a three. It makes sense, right? The more, you know, the less space you have to cover, the you know, the better you can do your job. But I, I really think it with Arsenal, and I, I think the staff is really kind of almost made for that central pin in the in the way that David Luiz is. Um, it doesn't make him any less rash um, or any less. But he's you know, got cover. Consistent, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you're you're kind of. Yeah, exactly. He's got a bit of cover. You're helping to cover those kind of those brain parts um, a little bit. So, yeah, I, I, I just some get, when he's on it, he's fine in a back four, but but quite often he isn't, and he's a bit of a disaster area. What did and, you think uh, of I, this I, game I, specifically? I mean, I mean,
0: how do you defend, yeah. like, the first goal? And I, I don't know if you saw, there's a video I put in our WhatsApp and I put it on Twitter of a, a situation yeah. where he, he falls asleep and then he overruns and then he hangs a leg and then he pulls it back and they wind up getting a shot on goal. I mean, he just seems switched off too often for me for one of two yeah. sets of defenders.
1: So, yeah, yeah. So, with with the first goal, to, to be absolutely honest, in the stadium at the time, I thought it was Czechs ball. I, I immediately, I, I, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it was my angle. Maybe it reveals some kind of bias, um, you know, against Petr Cech or whatever. But as soon as the cross came in, I just went keeper. And, um, and I, I really, really thought it should have been Czechs. ball. I, I think any ball that dribbles into your six yard area like that, because basically what's going to happen if Mustafi gets there, he's just going to hook it out for a throw in or a corner. Whereas Czech is able to fall on it and catch it and retain it for the team, um, I have to say, having seen the replay, I'm not I'm not as stringent in that position as I was, and I can I can understand why Czech thought that Mustafi would put his foot through it and clear it. But I, I think there is still a slight bit of culpability on on Czech. And the, the other thing I didn't quite understand about Czech: if you're not braced for the cross, then why aren't you braced for the shot either? Um, and oh, I suppose the guess, I guess the answer to that is because he thought Mustafi was going to clear yeah, it. But yeah. I, I, I m- maybe Mustafi, ha- and this this isn't a compliment for Mustafi, by the way, um, because I'm not a Premier League central defender. But but maybe Mustafi thought, oh, okay, that ball is dribbling like, and it wasn't a great cross. It was like that is dribbling into the six yard box. Um, I'm facing. You know, I'm facing away from goal. What am I going to do with this? I'm going to hack it out for a corner, probably. What can um, my goalkeeper with his gloves on and his ability to handle the ball going to do with it? He's going to fall on it. But, um, unless, if if he didn't get a shout, which we can presume he didn't, then, yeah, he absolutely shouldn't have left it. And it's... uh, it's, it's a quite ridiculous error and you're right you you highlighted one just before that as well where you know lord knows what he's doing um just looks like his feet aren't really talking to each other and um yeah and and even on the second goal i'm i'm goal doing where yeah. he, wheres he
0: going he just sucks himself into the goal
1: yeah yeah and not even in a position like when bellerin you know clears one off the line earlier he he takes up a you know, he he reads where the game is going. He takes up a good position on the line. But you're right, Mustafi wasn't even... It wasn't even like... Like, Ashley Cole was really good at doing this, getting on the goal line and anticipating where the ball would be. But it didn't look like that at all. It just looked like he... Yeah, again, to kind of reiterate the David Luiz um, thing, do you remember when Gary Neville said it looks like he's being controlled by a 10-year-old playing the PlayStation? <laughs> Yeah. and um with with mustafi it didn't quite look like that it looked more like a glitch in the game you know yeah it's just like yeah. I, I can just imagine you drop the control going, going hang on yeah. i hit i hit triangle why why didn't why didn't he like why did what happened yeah exactly. I, I was gonna say
2: that it's almost like you, you you went to push pause and then you didn't and you're like
1: wait
2: <laughs> I, I i hit pause
0: yeah why is this still going i look i mean Obviously, I'm going a little over the top with the criticism, of my, I admit, but he does drive me crazy, and I think the reason he drives me crazy is, Tim, the things he's bad at are things that are frustrating, because I don't think he's bad physically. I think he has all the physical traits. I actually think he's quite good in the air, better than we give him credit for in the air. Um, I think that he is quick enough. I think that he is uh, a good passer. He's good on the ball. I don't know that he's quite as good as Mertesacker was, who was criminally underrated by our, our fans, I think, but... I think he's good on the ball. He has all of these physical attributes that are really pretty decent. But where he is terrible is mentally. He he doesn't trust himself to ride to, to you know ride a challenge to run with a player. So he's always diving in. And I think where his nine out of ten games come, Tim, is where the risks he take come up, come off. You know what I mean? He takes a lot of risks diving in he takes a lot of risks going in early kind of like Vermalen did and so you can have nine yeah. out of 10 games because he can have a game where all those risks all those front-footed risks come off and it's really eye-catching and it looks like really aggressive defending but it's a, it's a cheat it's a cheat because you don't you don't back yourself to to win the duel and so he doesn't He's not a stand-up tackler. The thing I loved about Murtisacker is he never went to ground to tackle. I mean, he almost never did. Um, I just think that Mustafi switches off. He doesn't read the game well. He doesn't hold his line well. He doesn't, he doesn't, tackle standing up, and, and those are things that are mental, whereas physically he has all the traits, and I, so it drives me nuts mm. just to see a player like that. You know, I, I, I think the players that really get under my skin, like an Oxlade-Chamberlain. Oxlade-Chamberlain was a player who I just felt at times looked brain-dead on the pitch despite all of his physical attributes, uh, and that mm. that is really frustrating. Like, Monreal would be the opposite. I don't think of Monreal as being a physically gifted player, but he's just... He just seems to read the game really well and understand space, and yeah. he, he executes. I, that's a, that's a player that I can really get behind. Does that does that make sense? The way I've articulated? Yeah, them?
1: absolutely. With, with Momrao, it's kind of muscle memory. Um, you know, it's it's just like he he does the same things every week, um, and more often than not, they work. <laughs> Whereas Mustafi seems to approach every game like he's on a different drug. Um, <laughs> to be honest, it's like oh, Mustafi has. has has broken out the cocaine today. That this could be interesting. And oh no, today's a psychedelic day. Uh, um, it's just, it's just baffling. I, d- I don't know what his mental. you He's starting is to make a
0: before. worrying amount of drug references on this podcast, Tim. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, bravo for your your life experience, but, uh, Scott. I mean, do, do you want to weigh in here? I mean, do you feel that I am being overly harsh on Mustafi, and specifically as it relates to this game? Was this another one of those performances that makes you scratch your head and say, "What did we spend 35 million on?"
2: Yeah I mean it's I can I can see certain flashes of why he you know fetched that price tag because you know he he does have good games but like you were saying it's it's very much so inconsistent and you never know exactly which way you're, he's going to go and there's just too often where it's just it, it almost like his mentality is that he gets intimidated i don't know if the right word necessarily and you know that's a great thing to to have happen to you when you're in a podcast where saying words is important but yeah it happens to me all
0: the time man just use a word that's wrong in that place and then just say it with confidence and people will assume it's what you meant
2: so yeah there's just too often where he just seems to not do the thing that he's supposed to do or he's uh, afraid to almost make the make the duel so you know he'll dive in instead of going one-on-one with a guy or he'll kind of duck out of a header or look for a foul to get to bail himself out and it just that happens way too often or you know in this one where you know expect your keeper to go get the ball instead of you know at least following through until you hear that shout it, it's just yeah frustrating to to see those kinds of things because he can do all of the things that you want a defender to do but then there's just these brain dead moments where it's like Oh, I forgot I am the defender and I need to be doing that. Yeah. yeah, It's frustrating. And, but yeah. Yeah. I I honestly don't know what, you know, I I don't trust any of our other center backs, I guess, to really replace him right now. I mean, Chambers has looked okay, but is he, you know, a better option for the the Europa League or, you know, holding? He's, you know, kind of fallen out of favor. It's, yeah, it is almost. We're stuck with him. Yeah. We, yeah. It almost would be, you know, better to get that third guy out there just so everybody has a little bit more cover but then you know what does that do to arsenal's attack it's yeah there's there's a lot of questions with this With the squad has been built and uh, there's there's some stuff that's need going to need to change in the summer
0: yeah i mean you look at kolasinac who turned in a perfectly mediocre reasonably mediocre game i mean he wasn't he wasn't bad he just didn't really impress i mean i forgot he had started and you know, he was bought presumably, what, to be a left wing or a left wing back? Was he bought to be a left fullback? I mean, it, he certainly doesn't look like taking over Nacho Monreal's spot anytime soon, and Monreal's not a spring chicken himself. Koscielny, I don't know if he even has another season in him of being really reliable because it seems more like a cliff than a hill at this point for him. Uh, mustafi is so erratic neither chambers nor holding although i agree with tim that chambers has improved a lot and it's encouraging but neither of them seems to be ready to be a starting center back for an arsenal arsenal caliber club whatever that means anymore uh at center back so i mean do you see a situation scott where we we are facing a potentially challenging and comprehensive rebuild of the central defense and or the the defense as a whole this summer or if not just this summer over the next couple summers
2: yeah, I mean, I think that that's you, every um, every transfer window. It seems for the last couple of years, you know, we've been linked with a, a center back or two, and so I think that's something that's definitely in the long term plans. And I, you know, you look at what's available, and it's definitely something that is needed. Um, it's almost one of those things. It's like, why, why did they sell Gabriel in the in the summer? And because I think that he might not. Yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, he had he had moments like that too, where he would kind of do things that were kind of baffling, but I think he was a little less inconsistent than what Mustafi has been. So I I don't know. I I think there's definitely going to be some, some long-term planning that needs to go this summer. Get a, get a center back who's in that, you know, that 25, 26 age range so that we can have someone to long-term replacement for Koscielny, who yeah, is definitely getting concerning with, his ability to, to keep it going at this elite level, so
0: yeah, I mean, the combination of, of both just what seems to be a natural decline in his game and the fitness issues mean that, as much as we love Kishelny, going into next season expecting him to be the regular anchor of the central defense is a risky proposition. I don't think Mustafi is consistent enough for that. Um, you know, maybe we will go back in for Johnny Evans. I you know I have no idea what will happen, but it looks like there's some kind of rebuild that has to be done there. And I, I just want to say. You know, one thing, you guys, that happens a lot right now is that whenever a player plays poorly, but we don't want to write him off, they get the, well, how can you judge anyone under Arsene Wenger right now? You know, they they get that caveat, especially defensively. Well, you know, no one looks good in Arsene Wenger's defense except Koscielny, so how can you judge anyone? But, like, I think you still can judge people. (laughs) You know, I think when a player doesn't attack the ball, when a player dives in a lot, when a player doesn't... You know, read the game right. I think you have to start to make some kind of judgment about them. And to me, I think Mustafi is at the level right now where believing in him to be an anchor of our central defense for the next several seasons is just too much confidence in him that you could have. Um, I think we can get off that for a moment. I, I, I want to address the attacking play, which you know once again produced three goals. But really, really quickly, Tim, before we we get into the goals and and our improved attack, do you have anything to say about Nelson's game other than? Didn't do anything terribly wrong, didn't do anything terribly right. Game kind of passed him by, but good for him for getting a start?
1: Yeah, a little bit. He he had a few nice touches, which which suggests that um, he has some confidence about himself. He had a lovely, like, I think for that Xhaka shot, um, that came from him doing like a bit of a, a Cruyff turn on the edge of the area. And he, he had a bit of a chapeau um, at one moment as well. So he doesn't lack for confidence, I think we can see kind of in the long term um but yeah he d- he didn't really manage to stretch his legs and and get to anyone but you know i i think you see a lot of debuts like this from teenagers that they just try and concentrate on getting the basics right which i think he did he also was on the receiving end of a pretty terrible tackle in um in yeah. the first minute yeah yeah that's and, a um, good
0: point i think that affected him too uh,
1: yeah m- maybe it did maybe it did I, I i don't think he didn't lose his head um about it though um Unlike another Arsenal Academy product who's significantly older and more experienced, he
0: will get a mensch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, all right. Look, let's talk about a bombing gang just for a minute. I mean, so much of our season now is down to the Europa League that we we tend to sort of write these games off, and these are very weird games. It's very hard to know what to make of them. I, I think it's hard for the players too to really know, you know, you're being rotated. It's the Premier League, so it matters. But everybody kind of knows it's not the thrust of it. And through it all, Aubameyang is off to an absolutely uh, fantastic goal-scoring start to his Arsenal career. I tweeted just before he scored, and this is obviously why he scored, uh, Aubameyang might set a record today for the fewest touches in in a Premier League game. Do we just have to adjust our expectations of a center forward for the type of player that he is and realize that, he does not need to be involved to be able to change the game mm. in a flash?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and what was really interesting about this was that, you know, they put Welbeck right next to him, basically, kind of coming in from the left, but but next to him. And that that, that suggests to me that, that Wenger's thinking in, the, in this way of kind of having kind of a front two, but with one of them slightly wide. And it kind of sounds like he's thinking that when Lacazette's back in, it'll be Lacazette in the center. But... You know, Aubameyang playing that wide forward, but more forward um, kind of role. Um, and 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 I thought Welbeck was, I know, we've spoken about in a little bit already. But but one of the really good things about Welbeck is Welbeck's a great foil for a guy who is a killer um, in the box. He's he's, a, he's been a really good foil for Lacazette earlier in the season. He's been a really good foil for Alexis before. He's you know really. He's, was a really good foil for Aubameyang. When he's, you know, like that Ostersons game, when he's the main man and he's got all these creators behind him, I think he struggles. But when, you know, he's got, basically when he's kind of playing that, um, you know, it, it's what Clive would call kind of chiefs and Indians, you know. Mm-hmm. Welbeck, Welbeck's kind of a, a very good kind of servant for want of a better word um he's he's really and 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 I think Aubameyang really really kind of um really benefited from that and and I think you're right and I think what's really interesting um and I'm doing my usual this is a precursor to something I'm going to write this week
0: well
1: is fancy that, that. <laughs> is that Arsenal sold um their three top scorers from last season um and yet we're still scoring very prolifically and you know we spoke a little bit on the last pod about how Erzan and Ramsey have picked up some of that slack but largely it's because Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan have come in and started producing straight away. You know, the fact that like, no one really talks about Alexis, like even, even to the point that there are no derogatory songs about him at games or anything like that. Um, Giroud is a player I don't think we miss at all because it was just becoming important to move away from that type of player. And we're seeing at Chelsea at the moment, actually, he's not getting that much more football at Chelsea. He's coming on eight, ten minutes to go when they desperately need a goal and they just want to lump it up. Um, I don't think Chelsea really figured out how to use him yet. I, you know, I, I I feel like Giroud didn't need replacing stylistically. It was a body that we needed to replace more than anything. Um, and Aubameyang and Mikatarian have completely picked up Alexis's slack in terms of what he offers creatively and as a goal scorer. And, and actually, the, the player that I think we've had the hardest time replacing... Even though he's not been in the team for a while before we sold him as Walcott, um, it's difficult to get wide forwards that score as many goals as he does. And uh, kind of what Welbeck did yesterday was was a passable Walcott impression. But maybe whether we agree or not, that's what he's got in mind for Abamyang. Maybe he, maybe he does think, look, if I play him as a wide forward not as a winger like a proper wide forward then maybe that's that's my way of getting more goals into the team from from players like that who you know haven't been contributing as much as they should have this season you know I I think Yang's our third top scorer already
0: it's pretty remarkable Um, isn't it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and I, I don't think it's inconceivable at all that he could finish this season as our top scorer he's I think he's on six and Lacazette's on 12 overall I mean, if we carry on in the Europa League and the likes of Lacazette don't play, obviously he will probably pass Sanchez. So, you know, he's he's almost certainly going to be our second top scorer and he's got a shot at being our top scorer. And that, that shows you already um, what he's providing us. And, uh, you know, one of the interesting things is at the moment, obviously, we're scoring lots of goals in home games, but actually that hasn't been a problem all season. You know, before this we scored five against Huddersfield in November, we scored five against Everton, we got four against Palace we got seven against Barté Borisov we we scored four against Leicester, we even managed three against Liverpool in an absolutely torrid performance so scoring goals in home games has is, is not exactly been a huge issue. Where we'll start to see how much this attack has improved is, is away from home and Newcastle will be a really good litmus test because they're playing very well they defend very well particularly at home um but you know Abamyang, he he scored in the last away game we played um or the last away game he played rather which was an age ago at Brighton so hopefully if he can help us basically he's helped us maintain um what we've been doing at home if he can translate that into away games which the rest of our team has struggled to do then you know, he's already added so much value.
0: And you would think that away games would actually suit him, right? Because running in behind, playing off the ball a little bit, you should be able to do that more away from home than at home. Um, But, I mean, just very, very quickly on that, Tim, I mean, are you enjoying him? I mean, just just having Aubameyang at Arsenal, has it been fun for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. When, you know, he's got so much class on the ball – He's just one of those players. You feel comfortable when he has it. You think, yeah, he's not going to shank that out of play. He's going to find his man. He's going to keep control of the ball. And when he goes to the wrong goal, you think, you, you know, you, you fancy him to score. And um, it's 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 the striker that that we've been looking for since Van Persie left. Um, yeah, I think I'd, I'd like it if he was perhaps two years younger. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. but but. Yeah, I you know, I I think he's the real deal. I think it's really easy to forget that Real Madrid wanted this guy um, and we're, were seriously interested, um, and I think that tells you a lot. Sure, and
0: I mean, look, it is the only worry I have with him is that goal he scores, he gets there because he's so lightning quick, and his quickness is not just pace in the sprints, but over short spaces, and mm. if, if you want to bother being worried about stuff and, and being do me, which, you know, obviously we do, um, it would be that when he loses half a step, he may just become a striker who is not only a low-involvement striker but can't get to those half chances, and then suddenly yeah. what do you have, right? You have a guy who's not really involved in the build-up and can't get on the end of those moves, and, th- and then you have nothing. You have a boat anchor. But I-, I-, I don't think we're close to that, and I'm I'm really enjoying having him there. Scott, I, I would love to talk about Welbeck, but do you want to put a-, a final exclamation point on uh, Yang the goal he scored, and the experience of having him at Arsenal. I mean, as as a as an analytics guy, this is one of the analytics darlings in European football over the past four or five seasons, right? So this this has to be a lot of fun for you.
2: Yeah, no, and this is you know what you expect. You know, I, I've always talked about that he's basically Walcott in that he doesn't get involved very much um, with touches, but what he does is he gets shots in shooting locations that he's able to convert. I mean, you look at what he's done for Arsenal, he's played 600 something minutes and six goals. So a goal every hundred minutes is a a great return. Um, His XG has been exceptional since he's been with the team. So he's, yeah, he's been everything that I've been expecting um, from him. Um, Yeah. And that little burst of speed to get, you know, basically beat two defenders and the goalkeeper to the ball and then just, you know, hit it with the bottom of his foot To get it past everybody, it was just absolutely great. You know, after you know, you see that flick from Welbeck, which was you know a great little flick. It's like, oh, is he going to get there? Is he going to get there? And it's just how quick he got there was amazing, and something that yeah, that you 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 wouldn't have expected anyone else on Arsenal to be able to do that, and you know, almost no one else in the world could be able to do what he just did there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and it's long may it continue. So, as far as Danny Welbeck goes. He had a Welbeckian game in some ways, and I don't mean that negatively. I mean, he was involved in the ways he usually gets involved. He did have a horror miss, although I think the ball fell to him in a in a bit of a weird way if you know, I wanted to give him a little bit of a defense. But the, the goal that actually I thought was interesting was the deflected goal that he scored, the first of the two, because the way he pulled the ball down, his first touch, his cut inside, the clean contact he made, that was a really confident technical move that results in a goal and not something we traditionally associate with a guy who trips himself trying to shoot. So was that really a a bright spot for you with Welbeck seeing him do that and thinking maybe his form and his confidence might be on the the upslope here?
2: Yeah. So that was actually quite positive because, you know, the the through ball from Awobi kind of um, angled him. So where he was doing that, you know, inside to out kind of run, but then he was able to take his touch to be able to cut it back inside and turn his defender inside out. When so often when he was playing striker, before he would get that ball and instead of looking to cut inside, he would keep going to the outside, you know, and then look to maybe do some sort of a cross or, you know, the, the the play would just break down. So just having the ability, the confidence to be able to take on his man and cut inside to actually get into a shooting location was absolutely something that I loved to see because that was so frustrating earlier in the season where he would do these really nice runs. He would get the ball in a good location, but then he would, do his best to almost not get himself into a shooting location where he was almost afraid to take those things on. Well, his technical technical
0: quality would let him down. I mean, that's really what it is. Couldn't sort his feet out. Couldn't make the contact.
2: Exactly. So yeah, this time I think he he really did well, and I was yeah i really impressed with his is being able to cut that ball in because you know you know he got up the ball in a good location there in the wide box, but then to actually cut it across to get into the central area to be able to take that shot, yeah, it was you know it got a nice deflection, but he still was able to get the the solid power behind it and you know cl- uh, struck it cleanly, which was yeah good to see.
0: Yeah. See, I think Welbeck is is a really valuable player for us to have in some ways, and I don't know if you guys will agree with this, but considering how much work we need to do we need a goalkeeper this summer we need a center back this summer at minimum one we need probably a backup right back I mean I I hate to say it but we probably have to go out and get that we need another central midfielder and so when you look at it and you say we have Aubameyang we have Lacazette we have Mkhitaryan we have Ozil you know there there is attacking talent up there so are we going to rely on Eddie Nkedia to be the next option next season? Are we really going to get rid of Danny Welbeck for whatever he's going to bring, 12 or 15 million pounds? I don't know that he's he's going to be a, a big prize on the transfer market and then not buy a replacement and just trust Nelson and Enkedia. I think Welbeck is better than that. I think Welbeck is at a good age to be a guy who can play one of the inside forward positions, support a striker, play striker. I'm not saying he's quote, world class, But I think he has the ability to do those things and really add the kinds of things that drive defenses nuts. Physical power, aerial power, lots of pace. And so, you know, for me, and Scott, I'll ask you the question. I mean, do you think it makes sense, given the work we have to do behind the attacking part of our team and the other departments, midfield and defense, to stick with Welbeck, to keep him around, and let him be that sort of Swiss Army knife, first off the bench, or rotational option for players like Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang, and Lacazette?
2: I mean, he's a guy that I would have loved to have kept around, but I think to be able to fund all of the additions that are going to need to happen. Um, more importantly, I think it's not just the, the transfer fee that he'll bring back, which I don't think is going to be huge. But I think it's just going to be offloading his wages because, I mean, I don't know exactly what the wages are because finding wages for football players is hard. Um, but he's got to be, you know, what, between 70 and 90,000 um, pounds a week. Um, so that's, those are not, you know, a small thing to be, able to be able to have to go to someone else who's coming in because you look at what Arsenal need to get. So they need a defender. They need a midfielder. They need a wide forward.
0: But then who who's start. the first alternate guy? Guy who can be a goal scorer, who can lead a line. If you, I mean, it's Nelson or Inciedad at that point. I mean, are you prepared for a season, I mean, next season, of that being the second tier option from going from Lacazette, Aubameyang, Ozil, Mkhitaryan, and now one of those guys is out, and it's Nelson or Nkedia?
2: I mean, you know, you might look at, a you Wobie. know, it might be a Wobie. Um, You know, there might be someone else. Yeah, I think there's going to be enough attacking because I'm not sure if um, Lacazette and Aubameyang are going to always start together. So one of those guys might be there to put in. But that, I think that's where at the, the point where with the, the wage restrictions that there are in the Premier League, um, unless Arsenal can really do some commercial magic next year where they can increase the, the amount of revenues they're coming in, that there's going to have to be you know, sacrifices made in the squad somewhere where we're not going to be able to, to keep everyone. And I think that's always been one of the issues with Arsenal is that we have some of these fringe guys that are, they're definitely good enough to, you know, keep as a squad player, but you almost have to go with a, almost a stars and scrubs thing um, with Arsenal's, um, you know, restrictions that are in the Premier League now where we can't have, you know, these guys on high wages that aren't going to be everyday starters. That's true. You'll So, I mean, it's yes, he's an ideal player to have, and I'm not saying that I don't want him. I'm just saying the, the reality is that he may not, he might be a guy that is expendable just to make improvements elsewhere.
0: Sure, and I mean, I, I guess my argument would simply be if you sell him and then feel you need to buy one more player up front because you feel short of senior players up front, you're probably going to wind up spending more on the replacement and on the wages of the replacement than what you secure from Welbeck's sale. So I, I think yeah, that's I mean, when you get into it. Yeah,
2: and I think the other thing is you have to look. So he's 27, he's got one more year left on his contract. So this is either extend or sell time. And do you really want to, you know, ex, you know, have him going into his 30s, you know, his late 20s? Or you could look at maybe getting a guy who's, you know, 22, 23, who might be okay with being that, you know, 12th, 13th guy. that's fair.
0: You know what? I mean, my answer to that depends. If you say we can get 12 million pounds for Danny Welbeck, I don't know that 12 million pounds allows us to do a whole hell of a lot we couldn't do otherwise. And at that point, I think the player is more valuable than the money. If you say we could get 20 million for Danny Welbeck— you know i don't know that we could but then yeah then i'm selling 100 percent. so uh, you know enough of that uh i'll just have uh gazetas and ral on the sh- on the show next time and they-, they can answer these questions for us all right tim let's get to the fun section i mean the mustafi <clears throat> section was fun all of this is fun this has all been tremendously fun but let's get to the really fun part and that's jack wilshire so <laughs> 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 we beat stoke three nil and jack wilshire was terrible was it three uh-huh. nil that yes. doesn't sound yes right, but that's what it was yeah amazing uh We won 4-1 against CSK Moscow, and Jack Wilshere was terrible. He comes on in this game, and he's terrible. And then he gives the ball away in a counterattack and just loses his mind. And and I know there are going to be people that say, what do you want him to do there? They have a counterattack on, and he cynically ends it. That's what you want him to do. You can cynically end a counterattack without just completely losing your mind and tearing the shirt off a player. And we see cynical professional fouls all the time you know those tactical I should say tactical fouls all the time that don't result in the player's shirt getting ripped off and then handbags Mm -hmm. so yeah I think this is a player who probably feels the stress and the pressure of the way he's playing and it came out in that moment is Mm -hmm. he starting to reach the point of no redemption here
1: yeah, it looks like it's going that way, and and again, these things change really, really quickly. Um, because you know, three or four weeks ago, we were talking about you know how he's, you know, it looks like he could be a decent squad player, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, things change quickly, but yeah, it does, and and it's really disappointing. So on one hand, um, I'm perfectly fine with the tactical foul, like, like you say, I, d- I don't think there's really any need to rip the guy's shirt off. On the other hand, you could say, well, yeah, that, but that ultimate. And I don't think this was by design by any means, but ultimately it gets the guy sent off as well. So it's like a double bonus. He stops the attack and he winds the other guy up and, and gets him a red card, which you could say is um, uh, a, a pleasing application of the dark arts. But I mean, that that's not what it was designed to do because he then proceeded to kind of lose it afterwards. He was fairly fortunate. I think that Petr Cech, uh, wearing captain's armband, obviously felt responsibility and he came rushing out to kind of stop him um and Wilshere was you know still taking exception to Petr Cech as well and I think Cech was just saying look thanks you've, d- you've done you know you've done your job here move on there is there is absolutely no need to continue to be involved and ultimately you just kind of think he should have grown out of this a bit by now like um I'm, I'm all for a, a bit of cynicism but you know and and it's the frustration not that, like,
0: is evident i mean you know this yeah, is not just a foul goal. it's
1: frustration yeah and and on the second goal as well he just comes charging out into an awful position and
0: stands there and gets um, bypassed yep
1: and gets bypassed because he's not thinking he's, his body shape's not right he, he makes it very very easy to go around him and, and you can tell that's and and that's that's just still jack you know and he's he's 26 and he's still like you know, still finds it difficult to control himself when things aren't going his way, and he he really should have mastered that by now. And it's it's one of um, it's always been one of my frustrations with Jack. You know, with some players like they need a bit of edge to their game. I I, I don't think Jack does. I don't think Jack has ever needed that quote unquote edge. In fact, it's slightly annoyed me at times because I just think to myself. Or certainly, you know, when he was younger, I used to think to myself, "This is a technically brilliant footballer. This is a guy whose touch, control—you know—he he could be a Spaniard. He could play in the Spanish midfield." And but he's wound up in this kind of Scott Parker fantasy where he thinks he has to go around kicking people. And I remember some quote that came out from him about tackling, and you know, him seeing tackling as a big part of his job, and. You know, it, it's almost like he's he's got. He, I, I I always used to say, you know, he's got the feet of like this wonderful, cultured, almost continental-style footballer, but his his thinking is still kind of overwrought in that tabloid English up and atom bulldog-style um, stuff. And and maybe Scott Park is a harsh comparison. I, I think he he probably looks more at players like Steven Gerrard, that kind of no, I must drive on. But, by force and um, I actually thought when he came back into the team this season he, he kind of stopped doing that he I thought you know he looks like he's readjusting to what his body can do he's you know I've, I've said it on many pods I think to to kind of rescue his career he's got to reinvent himself as a bit of a deep line playmaker which is a role he played very well for England a couple of years ago I, I think that's where he should see his future um, but yeah it's 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 quite discouraging um, to see him like this, not, not just playing badly, um, but to see the frustration taking over him and the fact that that hasn't quite matured. And, and maybe, you know, as it was with Wayne Rooney, it probably never will. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Rooney, I kind of saw, you know, when you're a striker... I can kind of see the, the the value in having that kind of edge, and if you're a certain type of midfielder. But I don't think that that's the type of midfielder Wilshere is or should be. But it seems to be the type of midfielder he wants to be. And um, you know, he's he, he's got other gifts, and um, unfortunately, his body wouldn't let him be that kind of midfielder anymore, anyway. So, yeah, I, I think it it was another fairly rotten uh, performance. Another what seventy percent. Um, 70% on the ball passing,
0: which, worst of any outfield player which, and that's consecutive which games which is
1: unreal unreal for him um, it's, you it's know, exactly what you think you get like, from him
0: right yeah 90% passing security on the ball yeah, he gave the ball away more yeah. than any other player in just his 20 minutes on the pitch uh, pardon me 27 minutes on the pitch and he had the lowest pass accuracy of any outfield player for yeah. the second consecutive game
1: yeah exactly and, and those are supposed to be his strengths so it, it's very worrying that they're deserting him and old weaknesses are coming back in
0: yeah, and, and I, I consider myself a keen observer of the human condition. And I don't know if you saw on social media, he posts like, another great win. Congrats, Danny Welbeck, although I should have had an assist if you finished that one or so, you know something like that. and And I think there's a little something under the surface there. I think Jack wants everyone to remember, hey, I could have had an assist in this game. I set yeah, Welbeck yeah, up yeah. with a tap-in. Like, I know I was all over the place, and I was a mess, and I got involved in a fracas that led Del Nenny getting sent off and all of this, but I should have had an assist. You, you know, I mean, maybe that's overly cynical on my part, but to go and tweet out, oh, to the guy who scored two goals and had an assist, I could have had an assist if you put that one away, buddy. Like, ha-ha-ha. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't at Danny Welbeck. He includes Danny in the body of the tweet. You know what I mean? So it goes out to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just... Yeah. I think he's aware that it's slipping away for him a little bit. And that's sort of a, hey, I should have had an assist. You know, that should have been in my column. So, yeah, I I do worry for him. I mean, I don't worry for him. He makes a phenomenal amount of money, and I'm sure he's a very happy man. But (laughs) I I worry for him with respect to where this is all going. And, you know, I I think the problem is Arsene Banger is very, very, very close to this player. And I think it's hard for him to disappoint someone like Jack, that, that he cares about Jack tremendously and understandably. I mean, they they've been together a long time. He's known him since a little kid. But Scott, can Jack Wilshere continue to start in the Europa League? As important as that competition is for us, in the way he's playing,
2: it's it's so tough to imagine. You know, especially with what we just saw from Awobi and Welbeck, that both of them really excelled. And you know, Tim kind of touched on it. It's earlier in the season, he was seeming to change his game, but over and over again, it seems like he's falling back into his old bad habits. Where you know he's holding onto the ball too long, he's not making the right pass, he's just slowing the entire game down, and then you know just getting frustrated. Where it's just, I think you, you look at it, um, you know, in three of his last four games, he's passed below eighty percent. So yeah, against Milan, or against Östersunds, against Milan um, in the first leg um, away, and then um, against Moscow, and then in this game, you know, both of those, he's you know his best one was against Östersunds, where it's seventy nine percent passing, and it's just like. You cannot have that from one of your midfielders uh, amid a possession based team. You know, if you're a counter attacking team and you're looking to, you know, spring balls over the top, sure, you can have some, you know, misplaced pass and it's not going to kill a team. Or, but or if you're you know, playing
0: no. 10 through balls and, you know, you've created four assists and seven key passes and that's why your pass percentage is low because you're trying the hard stuff, He's he's not getting the easy stuff right either.
2: Yeah, and it's it's just, it is frustrating because I, I thought that there was glimmers of, of hope earlier in the season where he looked like he was actually kind of doing stuff that was positive, but now it's falling back and, yeah, it's not good. And I, I can't imagine that you really start him and it's really kind of in a tough position. Like, does Arsenal really extend his contract or offer him a new one? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know where he would land. It's, yeah, it's tough and, you know, Jack Wilshere has got a lot of, st- you know, gets a lot of stick, and he has a lot of defenders. But it's just so frustrating to see somebody with his talent not be able to do the things to make Arsenal better.
0: And put it this way, none of City, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs would take Jack Wilshere. Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, right. Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Dortmund—they're not taking Jack Wilshere. So the fact that, like, if we don't sign him, he's going to wind up at a West Ham or something along those lines should tell you what you need to know about this player, that by and large this is a player who just can't regularly do it at the top level. And I think the, the worrying thing for Jack and the thing where I, I do worry for him because I still have a lot of affection for him being an Arsenal Academy guy and a guy that I was my favorite Arsenal player for a brief glimmer of a period of time is that he is not suited to a team that doesn't have the ball a lot, that he needs to play for a team that's in possession a lot. Um, That when he's good, he's good on the ball, but he's never going to be great defensively. He's never going to be great off the ball. And if he winds up down the table, he's going to be playing for teams that firefight a lot and need all hands to the pump and be organized and be disciplined and be, you know, in a good shape. And we saw what happened with him at Bournemouth. He lost his place. So yeah, go ahead.
2: So what I was going to say is, I mean, I think that, you know, you need to, Arsenal need to, when they're building their squad, is they need to figure out who, who are we going to build the squad around? And it seems that they've chosen o, um, Ozil is the main guy that they're going to do. So getting a bombing really maximizes that with his ability to stretch defenses and Ozil be able to pick out those passes. Lacazette, I think, fits in nicely with his technical ability. Same with Mkhitaryan, um, you know, his directness, um, his ability to come in from the wing and give a, a secondary creator taking some of that pressure off of Ozil, but it's where does Jack Wilshire fit in that? You know, I I don't, they kind of take up the same spots or they want to be in the same spots, but Wilshire is definitely not at the the Ozil level. Um, You know, Ramsey, I think is a better option a central midfielder being able to do his runs from deep. Um, I think and then granted Jack is a better deep line playmaker than what Jack Wilshire would be. So it's to me, it's like, where does he fit in to be able to maximize the rest of the squad? And I'm just not sure there is a spot where he is going to maximize the rest of the talent. You know, it's one thing if, you know, you wanted to build around him to be able to maximize his talent. But I don't think he has the the ceiling or the, you know, his injury history doesn't really justify him being the, the main focal point of a team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And The thing that scares me a little bit is if Ramsey goes and if Ramsey gets sold this summer, and God forbid, I know there's some people that think actually there are ways that could work to our favor, but I worry that Ramsey going will mean we feel compelled to keep Jack and that Jack will be in line to be an even more prominent player for us, and that doesn't lead us anywhere we want to go. Uh, I want to ask about the Europa League just before we sign off here, but Scott, before I leave you, um, do you care if we finish above Chelsea? I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 is, it's my everything, and 1 is, I wouldn't even know it happened, how important is it to you?
2: Maybe like a 4? I mean, what's the difference between 5th and 6th? I mean, I guess there's a little bit more money that comes with finishing in 5th place, but really everything is in the Europa League. Um, It would be nice to finish above Chelsea but, you know, I don't think you jeopardize the Europa League to, to go after that.
0: Yeah. I mean, certainly Arsene Wenger can put it in his uh, multimedia portfolio presentation for why he should be kept around. Hey, look, I finished above our London rivals or one of our London who, rivals. Um,
2: who, whose manager is going to be leaving or maybe has left or yeah, who knows what's he, going he may on be gone as that. we're recording
0: this. Yeah, <laughs> um, Tim, I want to talk Europa League, but let me get your thought on that. One to ten, how much do you care if we finish above Chelsea?
1: Uh, three, I think, if it's between fifth and sixth. Um, if it was Spurs, my interest would probably be a bit higher, but honestly, fifth and sixth, who cares? Let's. If we finish sixth and they finish fifth and we win the Europa League, then that's perfectly fine with me.
0: Yeah, I almost feel like winning the Europa League is is my everything right now, and I'd actually be annoyed if we finished fifth and won the Europa League because I think it would put a gloss on this season it doesn't deserve. I think the nice thing about finishing sixth and winning the Europa League is it really does sum up the season, right? We can be thrilled that we won a major trophy, thrilled that we're back in the Champions League, but it doesn't allow us to ignore or deny or uh, – be revisionist about how this league campaign went you know what i mean by that yeah
1: absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: It, it forces a, a a bit of truthfulness on us in terms of reviewing the season so yeah. all right as far as the europa league i mean the the tie is in really really good shape but i think we saw with oster and we saw with milan that it can get uncomfortable quickly so how would you like to see him line up for this game uh and what are your expectations for it
1: um that's a really interesting question I, i'm I think there's a good p- case for playing Elneny and Jacker um, as you suggested at the beginning of the pod, but at the same time, I, I don't want us to get drawn into trying to protect the result because I, I don't think we'll be very good at that. Um, so yeah, I so I guess you know back four and goalkeeper pick pretty much pick themselves. Shaka Ramsey pick themselves. Ozil. Um, and Lacazette pick themselves. So after that, I suppose it's, you know, two what two from Elneny, Iwobi and Welbeck. Um, I think I would be inclined A- to play Iwobi and Welbeck.
0: And Wilshire I mean, you can't uh, just assume he won't be in the reckoning.
1: No, no. I, I'd kind of rather he wasn't. But um, <laughs> <Fair> you're <enough. laughs> right. I, I I think he could well be. I mean, personally, I'd I play Iwobi and Welbeck um, together. And, and I... Think, like you say, the kind of bringing, um, taking Bamiang off for the last twenty minutes. I think that was with a little look towards, towards Thursday, getting that kind of Welbeck-Lacazette partnership happening again. Which, which, and also I think you know if we're broadly going to set up to counter attack, then it will be Welbeck and Lacazette, kind of with Özil. That, that I think that puts us in pretty good shape to do that. And Iwobi and Welbeck, I think, are just about kind of, um, certainly in Welbeck's case, are, are defensively, dis- or, or sorry, they're disciplined enough off the ball um, as well. And, and, you know, Moscow gave us a lot of space um, at the Emirates and having some kind of powerful runners, um, you know, and and some guys that can press high up the pitch, uh, I, I think that could be quite handy. So, I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I I take your point. I think it's very tempting to put El in there. I think I'd maybe look to do that a bit later in the game, maybe. Um, depending on what the shape of the game is. If it's still nil nil, for example, um, you know, then maybe on sixty minutes you, you hook one of those attackers and put El Nenny in, or if you're well in control of the tie, but um yeah, I, I think I'd just set up nicely for the counter and I think it will be and Lacazette is a really good front three for that. I, th- I think they played together in the community shield against Chelsea um, in August, and th- they all did a, a very good job, I think, on the on the counter.
0: Yeah, I, look, you made a comment about you don't want to see us just sort of protecting the lead we have, which I totally mm. get. Having said that, I, <laughs> I think setting up how we did it at the Emirates, I mean, we were really, really open in that game. So if we play as open in Russia as we did at the Emirates, there's a chance that it could get really nervy really quick. Yeah. So I, you know, yeah. I don't know that a little more control and solidity is necessarily playing to protect our lead, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I would say it's just it's sensible, yeah, given how open we were. And you know, I, I think Ramsey ha- had so much joy in that game, but it did leave us more open. So I think my 1A might be Elneny and Shaka in central midfield. Um although I know look El Nini has this reputation for being sort of like a, a more defensively minded midfielder he is not he he doesn't tackle no. he doesn't intercept he doesn't dispossess but he can play 120 passes at 95% pass accuracy which is yep. a form of defense right I mean controlling yep. the ball is a defensive action so what I would say As Pep is What would tell you I, What was that
1: As Pep would tell
0: As Pep you. would tell Yeah exactly genius Pep great <laughs> great great job there Baldy um but yeah so I would say I would say that my one A might be Shaka and El in midfield, and then push Ramsey up. And then, because you have Ramsey's extra added attacking influence in that in that front three, you could go with Awobi for a little more technical control and passing, and and he can drop into midfield if he needs to. And so you'd have El Neni and Shaka, Ramsey, Ozil, Awobi, and Lacazette up front.
1: Or, or, uh, or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you, you definitely could do that or you could flip it another way. And if you're playing Welbeck and Lacazette, you know, a bit like Welbeck and Abamyang basically a yeah. front two. And you split the team up and you say, right, Xhaka and Elneny and the back four, you're the defensive part of the team. Um, we don't need you to go anywhere because we've basically got two strikers. We've got Ramsey, we've got Ozil. You know that's that's plenty to be getting on with, and you almost split the team up into into two different parts. And we say, and you say, you six just take care of this part of the pitch. Don't really go beyond the centre circle, and you know Welbeck and Lacazette, you play like a front two. You run everywhere, Um, and you know with Özil and Ramsey, we'll we'll kind of get the ball to you and create enough havoc there.
0: Yeah, and God knows we have enough practice at having our attack get cut off from our midfield and defense, so it should be a natural way for us to do it. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I and I I don't know that I'd be fussed if it was Welbeck over Iwobi, and and to to your point by the way, to say my one A was that my one B would be set up how we did in the first game, except go with Welbeck and Iwobi instead of Wilshire and McTearian, obviously. So uh, Scott, your your preferred uh, preferred lineup there before we say goodbye.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'd, you're going to see a willby and wellbeck I, I mean, I almost wouldn't be surprised if, you know, some crazy like Holocinac coming in and he's going to play your, you know, your left wing, um, just, you know, do the old, all the fullbacks come in and, you know, really kind of go for it. I would, I would be concerned about that because that would be almost giving or, you know, conceding that we're just going to defend. But I, I actually kind of, that kind of wouldn't surprise me to see something crazy like that just for the one off.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know that Arson will be worried enough with a three-goal lead and with as open as they were and the fact that now they have the onus on them to attack to be that conservative. Although I totally take your point that he could do that. Um, we have seen him do it before. So let's hope he doesn't. Can we agree on that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's good enough. Do you guys want to do a score prediction, Scott? Um,
2: I think it might be like a 2-1 or something like that for Arsenal to win.
0: 2-1 Arsenal win. Tim?
1: Yeah, I I think I'd go for that. Yeah. 2-1. 2-1. Yeah.
0: I'll say another 4-1 Arsenal victory. 8-2 on aggregate, baby. <laughs> and, then, and then we get absolutely m- murdered by Atletico Madrid in the semifinal. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So, yeah, that comes up Thursday. We'll try to have a podcast out for you, most likely Saturday, because it really is very, very difficult for us to record Thursday after the game. We'll leave that to the professionals like Arsblog, and we'll uh, we'll wait and record it on Friday. So, uh, hope Clive's having a great vacation. Hope Paul is getting plenty of work done. God knows none of us are doing any of those things. Tim's on Twitter Still Stoberto. Thanks, Tim.
1: My pleasure, as always.
0: Scott on Twitter at O underscore that underscore crab. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. And uh, give us a five-star review. Write nasty things about Clive and Paul. And uh, we will talk to you after Arsenal 10. Seska no.